I was pastor of a church, and I don't pick out music. I never have. And every now and then I get to fill in the pulpit somewhere, and I never pick out music. But often there are times when the music lines up with the message. Never before has all the music and the prayer lined up with the message. And we didn't talk. But I shouldn't be amazed. It's God, isn't it? Also, I want to take the time to uh, thank everybody who prayed for us. Thank you. You have no idea. All right. Going to do a little Hebrew lesson today. Yem Anu El. Yem Anu El. Every day we're on the playground of life. And we rarely know what we will encounter on that playground that day. We would really like to have a day on the swings. But that really happens, doesn't it? You know how the swings are always crowded? We don't usually get on the swings. Usually, it's the monotonous go-round. And we can't seem to get off of that. We're stuck on it. Or we see, or we end up at the seesaw trying to balance our day when everything is haywire. And then there are days when we really need some simplicity and we end up on the monkey bars. Some days situations turn horrible because of the added measure of the bullies making your life even more difficult. And there always seems to be the never-ending supply of the alligators. (laughs) All of the nagging things that you can't get to because you don't have around to it. But on the playground, I hope you can see that you have hope in God, plus you have E.M. Anu-El. For 17 months, Karen and I rode the cancer tour bus from hell. A nightmare. But God saw to it that we never forget for one moment E.M. Anu-El. And we were more than conquerors. Many years ago, after Katrina hurricane, I started an organization. Uh oh. Don't stand there. I started an organization called Our Neighbor's House. And the goal was to go down to Mississippi. We didn't go to New Orleans, that's where all the whining was. We went to ground zero. And the goal of our organization was to rebuild lives. And when we got a chance, to rebuild a house. And there I met a woman named Miss Stephanie. And we're still in communication every month or two. We still are in touch. And we end up calling the other because we get a sense that the other is in trouble every time for all these years that has never failed. But Miss Stephanie, all of her belongings fit in two suitcases. And she has no home. She has a car, barely. She has never slept outside, and she has never gone without a meal because she bleeds 
exudes E-M, a new L. Every day. On the other hand, there's a dear friend of mine in the hospital right now. Sixteen weeks ago on this day, he and his wife accepted the Lord. Four weeks ago, he ended up in the... Three weeks ago. Time. Three weeks ago, he ended up in the hospital. That was a four-day stint. That was three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, he ended up in the hospital. He's there right now. And while in the hospital, he's had two setbacks. And he will be in the hospital for another week. So what happens to the finances? Where is God in this? As a new believer, it's very difficult for me to impart to him E.M. a new L. E.M. a new L. That is three words in Hebrew forming one sentence. And I read from Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Do you own it? Emmanuel, God with us. Do you see Emmanuel on your playground of life? Because there's many times when I don't. So I don't want you to think that I'm standing up here where I see God every day. Because, boy, I go through my dry spells. Do you know Emmanuel is on your playground in life? And who is this Jesus, Emmanuel? So what I'm about to say is most everybody knows. But it's part of meditating. You know how you go out in creation and you look at creation and you get awestruck. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be awestruck of his creation. John 1.1 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And a few verses down, the Word is identified as Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, which matches up to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If we take the cosmological argument, which is nothing more than cause and effect, and we march backwards to what caused the cause, what caused the cause, what caused the cause. We get back to the beginning of what? The beginning of my God. Not of him, but of creation. In the beginning, God. God always was. So outside of, God was outside of his creation. And what did he create? If you march back in time, and you say, well, there was a piece of matter. Well, where would you put that piece of matter? You've got to have space. And when would you put that piece of matter and space together? You've got to have time. So in a nanosecond, in the beginning, there had to be time, space, and matter. In the beginning is time. 
God created the heavens and space and the earth and there's matter. But it doesn't stop there. What is time? I want you to be awestruck of God. Because God is the inventor of all of this that you take for granted, I take for granted. Time, past, present, and future. Always changing. But you can't have one with the other. So you have a trinity within the trinity. The trinity being time, space, and matter. And now you have a trinity within that trinity. Who invented this? Then you have space, height, width, and depth, and you can't have one without the other, and there's another trinity. And he created all those elements in chemistry. Oh, don't we love those? Back in the day when we had to memorize the periodic table. Solid, liquid, and gas. And there's another trinity. So what you got that the creator invented, that the creator invented, is a trinity of trinities invented by the trinity. Be awestruck. That is Emmanuel. So today we talked about a little bit by song and by prayer. Power. Emmanuel has unfathomable power. Every now and then we get to taste the power. (laughs) Like when we're in a car accident. We get to taste power that way. But as a surfer, I experienced the power of the waves. Yeah, it was great when that board just locked into the wave and I can hang 10 and I look really good. But more often than not, I'm wiping out. Because if I'm shooting the tube or if I'm running for the milk and that crest is right here, I can fall. I can wipe out. And the entire force of that wave crashes on me and drives my face into the bottom of the water, right into the sand. But I don't stay there, but for a second. Because then I'm tumbled around, and I am totally weightless, not knowing what is up or down. And I just hope that I took enough air to survive the tumble. And as soon as I surface, I have to find out, where is my board? Where's the next wave? Get out of here. Because the next one's coming crashing down. I experience the power of the wave. Nothing like the power of God. I found at the age of 11 I could make money making, making money doing things. My first job was woodworking. Ah, but then I wanted more. So I got a paper route at the age of 12. And soon after that, a hurricane was coming through. So I loaded my newspapers in the basket of my bike and protected them, and I waited. And it was raging. See, it was raging outside. We sang that today. The storm was raging outside. And I waited because I knew the eye of the storm was coming through. And so as the wind dies down and the rain lessens, I got on my bike and I bolted out that door. And I delivered all those papers in the eye of the storm when it's bright and there is no wind and there is no rain in the eye of the storm. But I could look at the horizon and you can see the storm raging all around. But I am in the eye of the storm. I got about three or two papers left, can't remember, and it started to change. And now I'm not in the eye of the storm anymore, and i got to get home. I didn't make it home unwet. In fact, I don't know how I made it home, because on the back side of the eye of the storm is worse than the front side of the eye of the storm. The eye of the storm... 
I knew the force of the hurricane, but that's nothing compared to the power of God. And yet, and I don't want to go there, but in Mark 4, Jesus is in the boat and it's being swamped. And he speaks. And the wind dies down and the waves calm down and it is still. Because he spoke. Just by speaking, the power of God can change things. Emmanuel, in the storm of life, Emmanuel is incomprehensible in perfect knowledge. How vast is the knowledge of everything that God created? I just gave you the example of the Trinity of Trinities created by the Trinity. But what about everything else out, of, out in space? Do you realize that we are the first living human beings in the last 20 years to see greater distance in the universe? And it's still just a little tiny bit of a vast through the Hubble telescope. I am awestruck when I see that. And the thing about when God creates, he creates so that his people can enjoy what he's created. That's not up there for nothing. That creation, I believe, when we die and we're with the Lord, we are going to, instead of sitting like my favorite place, is up on West Peak and Avery, where on Avery I can watch the sunset, and on West Peak I can watch the sun, sunrise, sunset. Yeah. We're going to get to see all of God's creation without a Hubble telescope. I'm convinced of it. We will marvel at that. What about the earth? The earth is spinning, and all your watches are set to it at a consistent rate. It doesn't change. What holds that there? Oh, and Isaac Newton, yeah, yeah. big whoop, he discovered. Who invented the gravity? That's the point. Big whoop, he discovered it. And the moon. The moon's gravity, that controls our tides, and without that, our waters would be stagnant. Who invented that? How about the hydrological cycle of water? Who invented evaporation? Who invented condensation that the waters of the ocean would feed, the mountains would fall down and create water across the land for all life to exist? The intricacies of that... Think about that one. Just the intricacies of that. And here's something that no man knows about. God invented photosynthesis and no man can figure it out. Aren't we glad? Because photosynthesis is what the world, all of creation, was got to have. He invented it. Lignin. Lignin is the glue that holds the cells of plants together. I work with wood. My goodness, some of that wood, it's so heavy, it's held together by lignin. It doesn't bend. Even the little tomato plants has got lignin holding the cells together. Lignin. So what about our bodies? We don't have lignin. We have laminin. Well, that's kind of sort of the same thing, but different. See, laminin, <laughs> and Miss Stephanie taught me that one. Laminin holds our cells, our connective tissues together. And so when you get the microscope and you look at it, you know how scientists have charted the DNA with a double helix? Like I build double helix spiral stairs, well, the DNA is in a double helix. Well, laminin has been, designed, has been plotted in this manner. It is three shafts, shall I say, or worms, 
that go up and wind around, two wind around the one, the one comes straight up, and the other two wind around and go off into a cross, and each one has a dot at the end. That's what holds us together. Laminin. It's in the sign of a cross. Was that by mistake, by chance, or was that designed by God? Because Jesus holds all of us together to the cell to cell. This is the Jesus we're talking about. Mark chapter 6, verse 45 through 48. Again, this is Jesus was on the boat when he calmed the seas and he calmed the wind. And this is like to it, but it's a different occasion. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida. While he himself was sending the crowd away, after bidding them farewell, he, after bidding them farewell, he went to the mountains to pray. When it was evening, so he sent them away in daylight, and when it was evening, I don't know, eight, nine o'clock, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them, at about the fourth watch of the night, that's around 3 o'clock in the morning. For six hours, they've been out to the sea. Now, Jesus, at 3 in the morning, can see his disciples in that boat from the mountain. Now, there are some theologians that love to get on the monkey bars. And they love to play around and try to figure it all out. That's many miles apart. And because it's night, they say, well, it was a moonlit night. And the winds were raging, and Jesus could see that many miles off to that boat. Now, I don't agree. You know how in the, in the Gospels it says when Jesus was meeting with people, and some of them were thinking, and Jesus answered them. They never said a word, and he, they're thinking, and he answered them. So why is it he can't see them? Because he sent them out. And he sent them to go to the other side, knowing the raging storm was coming. Listen to this carefully, because it's you in your life. Jesus sent them out, knowing there was going to be a storm. When they left, it was daylight, and there was no storm. And they went out into the middle of the sea, and they are stuck in a storm. And they are straining for six, more than six hours, straining to get through it. But Jesus saw them. And he walked out to them and again quelled the storm. So when you're straining in life, Emmanuel is with you and sees you and knows you and sent you into that course. And he's not going to let you go ever. Psalm 139. So what does God know about you? Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel know about you? Psalm 139. Verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You think? He created you. He created artistically your DNA for you to be you and who you are. Nobody is like you but you. And if you are his, you are going to get to the other side. And even you can't stop you from getting to be with him for all eternity. Well, that wasn't the prayer or a song this morning, but that was part of what I was going to say. Verse 2, 
You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. Do you think God knows us? Do you think Emmanuel has any clue as to what we're going to do or what we're thinking about to go and do the next thing? Verse 3, you scrutinize my path and my lying down. You scrutinize my path, O Emmanuel. He knows what we're thinking. He knows when we're going to do something. And he puts in front of our life something that is difficult, a storm, a sickness, a something in our life, because he knows that from that we are going to know him better, glorify him, and be better for it. And we're out in the middle of the sea, straining at the oars, and we're saying, God, where are you? But he knows. And look at that. He says, and are intimately, intimately acquainted with all our ways. Two or three, two or three weeks before Karen died, we're talking, and I shared something, and she looked at me and she says, I never knew that. 48 years, I think we were intimately acquainted with one another, don't you? Uh, Sometimes it was too much. But we won't go there. There was not, I can't even remember what it was. It was infinitesimal. It was nothing that I was hiding from her. It was nothing to be ashamed of. It was just in conversation about something. And I never knew that. God intimately acquainted with you and all your ways and all your thoughts intimately acquainted so if he sets you out into a storm of life he knows the direction you're going to go and what's going to happen and you will get to the other side even before there is a word in my tongue behold O lord you know it all so why do we pray why do we pray if he already knows every word that's going to be on tongue before we ever let it out why are we praying so that we will hear ourselves. Because if we don't talk, it just goes around in this cyclotron, around and around and around. But when we have to talk, we put it together and spit it out, and that's what we're thinking. But God already knew it. So all the prayers that you did for Karen and I, you prayed all of this, but the Holy Spirit, he reinterprets it and makes it real over here for all those God sightings for all those times of all those God sightings it was you the participants in that by your prayer you have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me you have enclosed me in the front and the back and put your hand over me this is God's steel dome of protection like Israel has the defense called the steel dome This is God's steel dome of defense for you. Nothing can touch you unless God allows it to enter. And he will, because you're going to grow from it. So what are you fearing about? Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high I cannot attain to it. Yeah, it blows my mind. How about you? And whatever is happening to you right now, where is Emmanuel? I doubt that there's anyone in this room is just on a cherry ride right now. There's something going on. People say to me, hey, Jeff, how you doing? Well, let's see. I'm the hub and there's all these spokes in my life. That's good. That's bad. This is, oh, I don't want to go there. This is great. All at the same time. 
Is that right? Where's Emmanuel in all of that? So God is out there holding all of the galaxies together, all of his creation together. And he's going to do what with you? Yeah, because he created you. You are his artwork. And he's right with you. In the book of Esther, there is not one word that says God. No Yemenu El, no Adonai, no Lord, no Jehovah, zero. That book almost never made the canon. But throughout the book, God is. And he is the one who is protecting his people against evil thoughts, evil men, and evil desires to kill his people. And none of them died but the evil man. Nothing in the book of, of Esther says God is there. And that's just like our lives. When we're going through those dark times, dark times, where is God? He is right there, like the book of Esther. So where is God in your life? Do you sense his presence? No. Sometimes not. The question is, are you looking for him? Yeah, a lot of times... Like me, I feel like I'm in an isolation box. God's not here. I'm in solitary confinement. And all my prayers are sticking to that ceiling. I'm glad those walls are padded at the time because I'm beating my head against the wall, getting a flat forehead. Where are you, God? Well, he's right there in that room with you. Do you see his hand working all things out for your good? Because that's what he promised. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. And the list in Romans is unbelievable. Nothing, not even you, can separate you from the love of God. Emmanuel is with you. My only way of keeping track, and someone put a voicemail. <laughs> okay. Come back. Jeff, come back. <laughs> it's got to be that way, right? Yeah. I meant to bring some duct tape so this thing would stay there, like, unlike PB, but it's doing okay. There's a hurricane about you. There's a storm raging. There's a storm, storms raging in your life. So my question is, are you focusing on the storm raging all around you? Or would you rather be in the eye of the storm where it's brighter but not sun, where it's not windy and it's not rain? Would you rather be there? Then what you need to do is get your eyes off of the storm and your eyes on Emmanuel who is right here with you, in front, in back, and over you. And you need to totally surrender every thinking thought that you have about the storm to him because he is the one in control of the storm. He puts you there. Might have been by Satan's design, but it was by God's permission. You are in the storm in that particular point in your life because God put you there. So let him control the storm and you focus on Emmanuel who is right here with you. Yeah, sometimes that's easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. I don't know if I can do this. (sighs) 
It's all good. I have not shed one tear of grief yet, but I have shed bottles of tears over God's goodness. Just because I see them sitting here, I got to tell you, we took Karen to the VA on Palm Sunday, and we knew this is not good. But on the next day, I got three and a half hours, three and a half hours of this list of bad stuff. <laughs> Later on, someone in this room came in with an x-ray and she said, I just saw your x-rays, they're yucky. I love that term, that was good. That's all I needed to know. But on this particular day, we were getting three and a half hours of this ain't good. And when I walk down into the hallway and I'm hemming hawing whether to stay there or go somewhere else, in through the doors come two people. And seeing those two people meant to me that Karen is going to die. And God brought them, I don't want to go into a long story, God brought them through the door at that moment in time because of his power, because of his knowledge, and because of his sovereignty. And it completely put me at peace. And I totally... Every gram of me surrendered to him. Because those two people are right here in this room. And he prayed me into the kingdom 38 years ago. And here I stand because one man, along with some others, prayed me into the kingdom. But when I saw them, I knew that Karen is going to die. And I totally surrendered. And that's why I saw E.M. Anu L. as many times as I did. We traveled in the eye of the storm, a storm of hell, and God was in control. Surrender, because you don't know what it's going to do. Held that together pretty good. I am forever grateful for that man praying me into the kingdom. You know what? They are one of the most humble people I know. It's John and Liz Loft that sit right there every Sunday, faithfully every Sunday. That's where they sit. I'm so blessed. You're on the eye of your, you are living your life on a playground. Is Emmanuel with you? The better question is, do you have Emmanuel for you on that playground? When we play on the playground of life, we want someone who will come to our defense the big guy, especially me being a runt in ninth grade, I wanted the big guy to be my friend on the playground. Well, we got the big guys. Sorry to be so yeah, about that. We got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because by the will of the Father and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus spoke everything into existence. And they are on the playground right next to me. So we can go through the nightmare of cancer. And it was bad. And there were bad spots. No denying it. 
But I couldn't imagine going through it without seeing God every day. Because Emmanuel was on our playground. So the question now is, is Emmanuel in your life? Because you have to surrender your heart, your mind, and your soul to Jesus Christ. And that's a difficult thing for any human being to do. Because we're not in control anymore. But if you don't, you're on the playground of life by yourself. And there's a default that goes with being on the playground by yourself. Because the gates of hell are locked over you. And if you want out of that playground, you have to reach through that gates. And you have to grab onto Jesus. And you can see me after. And we'll go through it. But until you do that, you're on your own. And you will not. All roads lead to heaven. Who stays are the ones who know Christ. The rest, judgment. I would rather go on my playground and have Emmanuel with me in whatever storm I got. So if you are on the playground with Emmanuel, do you see him? Who is Emmanuel? Emmanuel in your emptiness. He is your everything. Emmanuel in your fear, a song. He is your security. Emmanuel in your trials and your addictions because he is your deliverer. That was in the song. Emmanuel in your loneliness. Because he abides in me. Emmanuel in your discouragement. Because he is your encourager. Emmanuel in your storm. Because he controls the storm. Emmanuel in your weariness. Because he is the breath of life. Emmanuel in your weakness. Because he is the bulwark. That never fails. Bulwark. That's a brace. Emmanuel in your spiritual dryness. Because he landscaped the training ground of the wilderness that you're on. Emmanuel in your sin. Because he stands right behind you. With his arms open. Waiting. Emmanuel in your broken heart because he is your comforter. Emmanuel in your sorrows because he was a man of sorrows. Emmanuel in your grief because he was acquainted with grief. Emmanuel in your lack of understanding because he is the giver of wisdom. Why am I in this storm? Emmanuel in the loss of your job because he is God provider. Ain't that right, Miss Stephanie? Emmanuel in your court case because he is the law lawyer who justifies. Emmanuel in your sickness because he is the physician. Even when it doesn't seem like it. Emmanuel in your depression for a year and a half because he is the keeper of my soul. 
Emmanuel in your marriage. Because if the two of you are in Christ, you are married to Christ. And that means you are a small h, holy trinity. So what is it that you can't work out? Emmanuel in your marriage, because he is part of the trinity. Emmanuel in the playground, because he owns the playground. And Emmanuel in your life, because you are his workmanship. Emmanuel, if your trust and your life is in Christ. Let's bow. Our Heavenly Father, you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us, that you will be with us for all time. And no matter what it is that we go through, whatever ground it is we're plodding through, whatever is on our playground, no matter what piece of equipment, no matter what the storm, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation, and we all live it and we all breathe it and we all know it, you are all-knowing. And we are there because you have so ordained it. If in the wilderness, and we can't sense you and can't feel you, it is the training ground. The wilderness is the quiet place where we are being trained by you. Whatever the storm, Lord, we praise you that you are with us. For everyone here this day, Lord, I pray that they would, in the storms of their lives, that they would focus on you rather than the storm so that they too can see you, a tangible evidence that you are with them and you exist, period. In Jesus' name, amen.